anything, you know, it can be anything. But I mean, when I look at when I looked at the job description, which I I did, like I said, you know, it's probably two o'clock in the morning with with a baby <laughs> on me at the time. So, like I said, it, I, I was trying to say, um, you know, I I, I barely remember actually, but I, I remember saying, look, this looks really really <laughs> good. It looks really great. The team was actually what appealed to me. Hey, my fellow doctors, what an episode we have lined up for you today. So you may be aware about an ongoing debate between doctors and companies about how senior do you need to be in order to work at a senior level in any organisation, for example, you know, a health tech company. And it's a really interesting question because one would think that you would need to be top of your game, post-consultant level specialist to be of any value to society. Well, that's what healthcare or I say public healthcare has essentially told us indirectly. Hence why a lot of people do continue with their training even if they're not happy because they feel that getting to the top of that conveyor belt will mean that they've reached the promised land uh, as an example but from what I've seen and observed that is definitely not the case so in order to address today's question on how senior do you really need to be to become a chief medical officer I have the pleasure of introducing to you Dr. Johnny Andrews, who in many ways is also part of the furniture of Medic Footprints, but is also the Chief Medical Officer at Certific. More about Certific later, but one of the interesting things about Johnny is that he has definitely been about. (laughs) So he actually left conventional medical practice, not for long, um, after foundation year two. So that's two years postgraduate as a doctor. And he's done a huge range of things in and outside of the NHS to really build his portfolio. And this is not his first, but his second chief medical officer role. And I would love you to have a listen to this and reflect on it for yourself. Because if you are someone who is looking to work at a senior level, Think about the questions or even the unhelpful things that you may be telling yourself that you have to get to a certain grade or level to be of value in society, whether you're working in leadership or not. Because the reality is, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Anyway, have a listen to this really fascinating discussion and I would be grateful to hear more about what you think. So do send us a line at team at medicfootprints.org. Now, on to the interview. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. So I'm really excited to discuss this question I get asked by both doctors and companies. How senior a doctor do you need to be to become a chief 
medical officer. So that is a CMO. And joining me today to address that question is uh, Johnny Andrews, who <laughs> has been, uh, yeah, he's been part of the furniture of Medic Footprints for some time now, and uh, actually really lived the alternative careers dream in many ways. Yeah. Um, so I, I basically invited him to have a discussion about this issue that really comes up again and again. So, I mean, let's start with your journey, actually, uh, because at the moment you're working, actually working as a chief medical officer. That's right. right. Yep. So tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment. I think that's probably the, the best way of approaching it, because I think my journey alone could probably be its own you know, yeah, that's its own like question. Its own um, but if we focus on where <laughs> yeah. I am now, so Zabena, thank you so much for having me on and thank you so much for the for the introduction and uh, for this really, really good question, because I think it's a topical question. It's a question people ask me. It's probably a question I even asked myself <laughs> many times <laughs> um, uh, for many different things. And even when I was looking at various jobs and, you know, um, uh, assisting with recruiting with Medic Footprint, it's it's a very topical question. So I, I'm glad to try and lend an opinion. And it is only an opinion. I think there is no right or wrong answer. But yeah, no, currently I... Yeah, like, as you said, there's no like right or wrong answer to this. But what we're drawing upon is the experiences of not only ourselves, but other doctors that we know working at a chief medical officer level. Um, so yeah, yeah, far away, far away. So, my, so what, what I do at the moment, so I am a CMO, a chief medical officer of a company called Certific. Uh, Certific is a relatively new company. It's a venture-backed startup with... Uh, renowned co-founders from, you know, banking, communications, business, uh, medicine, um, uh, started off uh, with focusing on remote diagnostics with COVID testing. And that is something that I will talk about uh, slightly in a second, which is something I, I set up myself as a wearing a, a chief medical officer hat for effect doctors, uh, a previous role. So I came on board uh, with experience from, from having set up COVID testing, uh, experience in kind of all the regulation and setup of, you know, uh, essentially um, setting up a medical laboratory to UCAS accredited standards, CQC registration, uh, all that kind of regulatory experience, uh, some business development experience, and came on to this company where we are now moving onwards from COVID and expanding our product line with other remote diagnostics. The role itself is medical. Um, and obviously being a GMT registered doctor who still does some practice in the NHS, uh, so namely uh, urgent care and, and A&E shifts kind of on evenings and weekends at the moment. Um, I, you know, I bring in my insights from the NHS. Uh, I think anyone who has or is working in the NHS will know that there are probably a million and one things that, that problems and where there are problems, there are opportunities, there are things you can fix and these can form businesses, they can form startups, they can form brilliant projects, ideas, um, quips, whatever you want to do. I think that there's that ability. But I think I get a lot of ideas from there and I bring that into the team. And I think that was one kind of value add that I could add. Um, we are a, a European startup. So um, mostly, well, HQ is Estonia um, and there's a small team over here in, in England. But we obviously have a huge focus in England. Um, because uh, Dr. Jack Kreinler, who's one of the co-founders, obviously is London-based uh, um, with obviously international startup experience, but obviously London-based practice. So I think being you know, a UK doctor, knowing the system, just like Jack, you know, a large focus is obviously on the UK, but we're thinking more globally. So I don't, you know, I don't have all the attributes 
Um, but I, you know, equally, I, 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 this is this is the question: what What are the attributes you need to to be a, to yeah, be a CMO I mean, or to be a good CMO? Obviously, you've worked at a CMO in two very quite different companies now, both within the health space. Um, when you were approached to apply, I mean, as, as you approached for both of these, right? So when you're approached, That's right, yeah, essentially yeah. for both for, to apply, what were they selling the job as? You know, chief medical officer, as we know, can mean a lot of different things in a lot yeah, of companies, yeah. right? The, the the common thing is usually that you're a doctor, but what's expected of you can significantly vary. So can yeah. you give us an outline of some of the similarities of what was required in both roles and also some of the differences kind of high level? So I think every, every job, every business, every startup, uh, every company is going to have a different need that they need filling. Um, you know, they're, they're going to they're going to want something specific to to what their maybe what their USP is. Um, so if I speak about my my two unique selling points, let's try and like reduce the acronyms. <laughs> reduce that. My life is full of acronyms at the moment. Yeah, um, unique selling points. <laughs> unique selling points. So it completely depends on on the role. So with Effect Doctors, so Effect Doctors is a startup that uh, Abaini, you'll probably remember, we were working together with them, um, mm-hmm. uh, with um, the two worlds, the co-founders, um, with kind of recruitment um, uh, with Medic Footprints, and I I started working for them, and it soon became transparent that well sorry transparent soon became apparent that actually you know we needed to up the game in terms of what we could do as a, as a business, as a company. And there was obviously regulation involved. There was CQC that at the time wasn't needed for, for many of the aesthetics uh, offerings. That, um, that still is the case. Um, and that was something I had a tiny bit of experience because um, in my backstory, my parents were at one point involved in managing a nursing home uh, and some children's day nurseries. So they were used to Ofsted and they were used to CQC. But my dad comes from an engineering and business background, so he is not medical at all. So, you know, all of these things were quite new. Uh, Being a a son who, you know, obviously uh, at some point was always at home uh, during my holidays from medical school, would just kind of, you know, pop into the office uh, and he worked from home for most of the time was, you know, I've got these paperwork to do, I need to write these policies. What are are these things? What are staff appraisals? You know, what's mandatory training? Um, Mm -hmm. And soon I kind of learned a little bit about what, what the regulatory stuff um, for that was so I used that as I guess leverage to to um, to approach the team and said look we need we need to push for um, gaining CQC registration for effect doctors and that will allow us or enable us to become a more well it, it has so many benefits which I won't go into CQC as a separate uh, a topic in itself but you know um, it had officer or designated chief medical officer to to, to apply for CQC? Well, you, yes and no. I mean, you you need someone who is going to take ownership or leadership, you know. And I think coming back to the to the to the the question that you raise, I mean, CMO. It's a, it, by definition, it's kind of C level uh, uh, or C suite position. So you are an a, a an executive in the company. You are someone who is a leader. Uh, it is a leadership role. You will have managerial responsibilities, but depending on the size of the organisation, you may not have deputies or or um, mm-hmm. uh, staff below you. Um, I mean, we very much with Certific, for example, we, yes, there is there is structure and there is a team, but the team is, the core team is still at the moment 30 people. It's growing um, and it has been, uh, you know, growing out of, you know, um, from a very, very small um, number of people only, only about 18 months back. So, 
as teams grow, yes, you do need more structure, but we try and operate in a in a flat hierarchy. Um, but so just to go back, just to clarify, so for effect doctors, the CMO opportunity came about because of the push and the need for regulatory requirements for the business. And yes, so I you mean the CMO only overseeing that element. Yeah. Or the funny story. Other leadership. Uh, the funny story there is, um, and and maybe this is maybe more true for me, um, but I think it, there's a valuable lesson here. I think it, it came out of me actually kind of slightly asking or pushing for it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. You're, you're you're quite right. I was kind of approached for that. I was working with the company and they said, "Look, Johnny, we want you to you know to to be involved more and more." And I I, I essentially pivoted what was the opportunity to become, say, a full time employee to actually say, look, I still have other things that I'm doing, still doing NHS work. At the time, I was I, I was quite active with clinical trials, so I was working for HVivo, um, and I was and I was also doing some work with, clinic, uh, with Medic Footprint as well. So I was trying to maintain a portfolio career at the time. I also had very set commitments like wedding, which was you know impending. So for me, it was also kind of balancing time, having a bit of fun, learning some skills, utilizing myself, um, and maximize, yeah, maximizing, maximizing my time, but also maintaining lifestyle balance. Um, that kind of said, look, I can do this, you know, but I will, I, you know, I, I will, I will. This is what I can bring to the table, and and I guess it there, there wasn't a, it wasn't like a what role should I be, uh, you know, can I be the chief medical officer? It wasn't that at all. I said, look, this is what we probably need. We need, you know, a leadership person. I'm happy to take that on board for CQC. I'll be the registered manager. That's the, the term, um, or and or the nominated individual. And then I said, look, what, what role, what role should I have? What, you know, um, and we already had a medical director said, look, why, why, why not the CMA? And it was just sat there kind of with a beer in, in hand, kind of very informally saying, okay, look, that's, this is how we're going to approach it. Um, so that was, that was kind of a more casual you, arrangement. I was going to ask you another question that you actually interestingly brought up, but just let's quickly go back. Quick answer. How many years post-grad were you when you first, for your first chief medical officer role? So you'd done your F2. Sure. Uh, well, where was that? I was, I was in F4, I guess is the equivalent. So I was, I was in my fourth year of being a doctor so about three and a half years post-qualification so it would have been I guess if you like I assumed the title um in January 2019 something like that but just interestingly uh, enough you had not done any membership training or exam I think I was sitting you probably but, even remember this yeah. I, we were doing crowdfunding and I was sitting maybe like MRCP part one yeah, or something it like that it doesn't but, sound like the decision that was made for you to become a CMO was related to much, much about what you'd done as a doctor, other than yes, you are a doctor and this is how you're part of the company, essentially. Absolutely. But, yeah. but I think in, in that particular experience example. And your background and your exposure to the regulatory aspects. And also, yeah, you were very motivated uh, and proactive in having that conversation and adding value to the company that eventually after negotiations, you actually got to that point. Am I, am I right in kind of summarizing that? In that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think <laughs> I that's want, I just want to highlight that as, as yeah. an example, because we have a lot of doctors in particular who are like, you know, they, they hang on to, they, they desperately want to leave for whatever reason, medicine. Um, but they feel like they have to hang on and stay for X, X number of years 
because they won't be seen as credible otherwise. And, you know, I've, through Medic Footprints, I've seen doctors who have progressed exceedingly well without having ever worked as a doctor. Like they graduated and they said, I'm not doing any medicine. And they're doing really well. I've seen doctors at the other end who, yes, have done their CCT and then went on to be CMO. But I just want to use that as an example of you did not have to do any more tick box qualifications to get that CMO post. No, but I think I think that's that is a very unique example. Um, in but fairness, I mean, it is and it isn't because I've, I've seen yeah. I've actually as it isn't because <laughs> I've seen I've had that story in various themes numerous numerous times but I just wanted to really kind of just summarize that and my next question was it's interesting you mentioned there was a medical director in the company what's the difference between a medical director and a chief medical medical officer that's a really good question I mean it completely depends on the company um and I think we're what my experience and and what I'm um, talking about with with both companies uh you know vet doctors certific um and many you know many other companies I've even done some work for or in um are these are startups um when you're talking about say when i was working for a cro in clinical trials there's a there's a different i think there's a different expectation for a, for a cmo medical director um and that is partly industry driven um so you know in pharma um the expectations will be more with in line with what trial experience someone has um, and and perhaps all the other bits that I've mentioned. So someone might have more of a regulatory hat on. Uh, someone might be more of a hands-on physician uh, or signatory. Um, someone might be still an active uh, clinician with a particular area of expertise in a particular disease group. So if it's say oncology related and you're an oncologist, then it makes a lot of sense that that would be someone who is in a leadership position. Um, but they might also be the principal investigator as well um, for that for that particular organization so i think industry is one one thing size is another thing um uh i, I guess uh, and probably not notwithstanding the age of the company um because you know obviously the typically the companies that have been around longer are generally bigger that's not always true but um whereas startups as you know um can remain very very small for many many number of years they can also scale incredibly quickly and they can you know if they're vc backed and they raise a lot of capital um they can hire aggressively to meet to scale accordingly and with that um and when you hire, you 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 obviously want to hire the best, but you will need multiple skill sets, um, and it it completely depends. So I think startup is is unique, um, and and it's very much depending on the needs of, of that particular industry. Um, but so yeah, I spoke about uh, certificates. Uh, sorry, um, effect doctors example um, with certificate, it was a completely different process. Um, mm. I was reached out by one of the co-founders on LinkedIn. I actually was aware of the company because, like I said, through effect doctors, I I set up. COVID testing. And then, um, so that was, you mentioned Dr. Jack Kreinler. Another that's right, yeah. Right? Uh, again, you're like, why Why would he need a chief med- medical officer for his Well, that's medical- true. Um, and I think that is, that is, you know, in line with hmm. growing and scaling a business. So he started off as, you know, one of three co-founders. Um, so he, if you like, he wore the CMO hat or medical director. Um, and he was involved in all things medical, regulatory, as well as business development and everything else. But there comes a point where you grow a company, um, you know, and you need to focus on other areas of the business. And that was 
actually, you know, on, on our first call when we spoke about the role, that was where he, you know, he said he he wanted to free up time essentially to be able to focus on other other areas of the business. So he is now chief scientific officer, uh, and that is more based with yes, he is a doctor. Yes, he he still does medical things outside a certificate and inside a certificate, but he also is quite active with certificate and work that he was doing at Imperial College um, with some research. And there is a lot of what we are doing with Certific, being a remote diagnostics company, is obviously in the medical sphere, but it's also in the in the in the scientific sphere as well. So it's trying to meld those two kind of worlds. Um, and you know, he's quite lucky to, I guess, wear more than one hat. But you know, hats on from both both sectors. And and I think he he wants to focus more on that, but also business development um, as well as you know uh, providing medical oversight as well. So. I think yeah, there I is just just for your going back to your role in particular. Yeah, what skill sets do you need for your current role as CMA, like day to day? Well, what skill sets I need, what skill sets I had, what skill sets I probably Let, will let's start from the beginning. Develop. So like, your approach to this role, what what was it sold as in a nutshell, high level? In a nutshell, it's all it's all <laughs> thinking through uh through you know memories that I mean, admittedly, I, I've been doing this uh, job now for not even two months, uh, and it's it's been busy. I've also been doing you know uh, any work as well on the side, um, and also having a baby. So it's all a bit of a blur. But <laughs> yeah, is it, what you, is it what you expected from what you were told? Is or is that is it kind of one hundred percent? I am very familiar with. Answer. I'm very familiar with with in startup being very very variable in what yeah. uh, an expectation may be, but actually you just need to be flexible. Um, so I think there are attributes that are relevant to maybe a, a more leadership title like a CMO. And there are attributes that you just need to have if you're going to work in a startup, even if you're not going to be working as a, a CMO, for example. So if you're a doctor and you're looking to join a startup, I think there are certain attributes that one needs to have, which are quite different to working in healthcare, in traditional healthcare. Um, And I think flexibility is probably one of the biggest things. And flexibility also comes with the role. So you might be sold, look, you'll be um, not sold, or you might be said, look, okay, things you you, you will be expected to do and and, and need to focus on are um, medical oversight, regulation um, and compliance, um, business development with regards to uh, anything medical, um, sales, networking, partnerships, anything, you know, it can be anything. But I mean, when I look at when I looked at the job description, which I I did, like I said, you know, it's probably two o'clock in the morning with with a baby on me at the time. So like I said, it, I, I was trying to say, um, you know, I, I, I barely remember, actually, but I, I remember saying, look, this looks really, really <laughs> good. It looks really great. The team was actually what appealed to me. Um, for me, a lot of this stuff is words, uh, especially within the startup world. Yeah, a lot. And it's and it. Again, maybe it's unique experience because I've come from it from having looked at a lot of jobs, having applied for a lot of jobs and done a lot of different jobs, medical and otherwise over the years. And also with Meta Footprints, you know, actually working with companies and actually seeing what kind of job, uh, what, you know, job descriptions. I've, I've looked at hundreds of job descriptions. So when I see words, a lot of people say the same things. And I know in reality that, especially in startup, it's not always going to be that. 
but I'm happy with that. I'm okay with that and on board with that process. But um, come back to kind of your overarching question. As a CMO, I expect that it, it's a leadership position. So I'm expected that I will need to make decisions. And it there is M in the title or medical. So it is a medical role. So I'm expected to use my doctor hat and uh, and think like a doctor and, and provide my opinions, my advice. And anything I do has to, has to reflect me as a doctor. Um, so I utilize my experience gained from NHS work. Um, and you're, you're right. I, I'm, you know, I've not CCT'd. I never even applied for training. Well, sorry, that's not quite true. I only applied for training very recently. I actually had finally decided I'll, 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 I'll go for GP training. And then this offer came up and then I declined GP training to do this but but you know I had I years nearly, out I also nearly applied for it well I did it or semi-applied for GP training at one point like we all did probably twice and it always didn't, didn't work out but I was always relieved <laughs> I was always relieved because <laughs> I knew I knew just GP was not for me but it's always a great kind of fallback option it's a it's a it's a great fallback but I, I I haven't ruled out going back into uh, you know to potentially do cct at some point i was all i also had in what, in for, what? CCT in well what? this is the thing i mean potentially yeah. general why practice. is that important to you just out just curiosity because yes, obviously now, um, now you're you're really kind of i say in the thick of it to some degree you are yeah <coughs> working in industry and i can i can personally see you kind of growing your yeah your network you're a very good networker <laughs> Yeah, and right. and just stepping from one country to another potentially right because you, you you are on that trajectory that's the way I see it anyway uh, having known you for several years now um, yeah. So go, yeah going back to any sort of training doesn't matter which specialty is a huge huge commitment it and is. a huge yeah. lifestyle change from the flexibility and autonomy that you have now so yeah I mean I know this is slightly off topic but yeah, why is it important to you to... Not see- at all. I, and I think this is, uh, you know, a very important message. I I do love clinical practice, cl- clinical mm. medicine. So like I said, I work in, I mean, I now do shifts uh, in urgent care uh, alongside GPs. So, but it's, but, and I also do A&E, but I, I'm very lucky, fortunate to, to be able to pick sessions. So I only can do five hours at a time if I want to. Um, and I do that in evenings. Uh, and I do that on the odd weekend um, alongside a full-time role as well. So I really, really just value those few hours, spending some time with the patient, you know, uh, doing a bit of examining, doing a bit of suturing. Why CCT, Johnny? Why CCT? That's a really That's good question. Very different I, from clinical work. It is. Know. And I think <laughs> there, there comes a point where, I mean, and as you probably remember, I've dipped in and out of the NHS for the last seven years, seven and a half years. And I never had ambitions before. I was like, well, training, I, w- I didn't even want to apply. But I think it's come to my mind in the last 12, 18 months that I would, you know, that a part of me does kind of yearn to, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, maybe accomplish more. Maybe it's maybe it's the sense, maybe it's a, a want to, as part of being a medic, to always be a high achiever or always strive for something further and beyond where you're at. Um, and like I said, it's not a, it's not nothing I've got on the timeline. Um, I'm committed to my current role 100% um, in the long run and, you know, as far as that will take me. But I think this will be something I would even consider doing in, you know, in five years, 10 years or something like that, because I quite like the, and a part of me would would quite like to actually just get back and just get back stuck in doing some clinical practice full time. 
but I don't envisage doing that anytime soon. Um, you know, I'm very happy with doing, you know, a bit yeah. of part-time clinical work at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something I've, I've not ruled out. It's something I, yeah. it's like a, a, I, a I hear a bit of conflict and it's, it's one that I recognize because, you know, I, I have been through that as well. And as you know, you know, I've been straddling between training because it's really actually about training and becoming a consultant. This is what it's about yeah. because not everyone has to become a consultant. I know we're sort of sold that dream, but we all know that a lot of consultants or people at senior levels, particularly working in the NHS, um, it's, it's not as, as uh, rosy as it used to be, let's put it that way. Um, but that still doesn't mean that you can continue working clinically seeing patients you know developing your experience working at senior level but not necessarily being put on the specialist register and you know I chose to keep going (laughs) as well and finish like I I remember having you know my mum's voice ringing in my head saying when are you going to finish something Abena when are you going to finish something and this is me having gone through surgical training and urology training and occupational medicine training whilst running a business and yes I I quit my training in Ocmed a year before I was due to finish Mm -hmm. but that was a very conscious decision because I knew I had another option which was to finish down the Caesar route so that's the non and I'm still on the specialist register yeah but did I need to do all that Probably not, especially in occupational medicine, probably not. But anyway, we've only got a few minutes left and going back yeah. to the, the core question. So for those doctors who are, you know, nearing the end of their training or already consultants, is there any, what are the benefits of then moving into chief medical officer roles at a later stage in their, in their medical careers? what are I mean from your experience what are companies looking for so for example what I've seen in the market at the moment is you will have companies who for example like example I've been talking to one company recently who wanted uh endocrinologist to be an ambassador for their company do the kind of media rounds the Instagram lives all of that jazz why an endocrinologist um it was basically something about diabetes. Sure. But I mean, reflecting on their actual needs, I mean, it, because the, the company originated in another country where the system is different and there's more of a focus on specialisms, that's why it seemed more appropriate to get an endocrinologist because that's what they're used to. But realistically, you don't always need an endocrinologist to be specifically talking about diabetes. Um, you know, there are lots of doctors with a lot of experience who could be talking about diabetes. If you look at, say, some of our, a lot of our kind of media doctors, most of them are GPs, right? Talking, being being a specialist yeah. in pretty much everything. Um, but that, that's just one example. But I'd love to hear your insights as to, you know, what, what happens with doctors later on in their careers and then moving on to chief medical officer. You know, how, how do they appeal more so to companies compared to uh, doctors who are more junior? If I can say one word, it would be confidence, okay? And I think, you know, confidence or self-belief. And, I, and I'll elaborate on that now for the, for the rest of the uh, last few minutes. But um, I think anyone, any doctor can, you know, can, can do a number of roles, you know, and it, it might be a CMO, which is, some people would deem it as kind of, you know, the, the top or pinnacle role for a, for a um a doctor in industry um for example but and and so it, it's it's very logical to assume that you would be at the pinnacle of your medical career um is it necessary or mandatory 
absolutely not. Is it helpful? I think we, we've um, discussed a couple of uh, areas where it could be in, in established industry, in pharma, in uh, especially where it's very niche. So certain sectors where there's a, maybe a disease focus or interest, uh, you know, oncology, immunology, hematology, neuro. I mean, you know, any, any and every specialty has um, a focus and there are, you know, there are pharma companies, there are medical device companies, there are startups that are focused on, on any of these specialties. So yes, if you are um, a specialist, you know, CCT that, or, or you are even a doctor who has done some training towards that, you know, it might be core medical training uh, with a focus on neurology. It might be surgical training, but you've, you've done more urology. Um, you can always capitalize on these skills. So confidence and self-belief, you know, it's how you sell yourself. You need to find what is on your CV um, to be able to identify those things. For me, it is, I mean, I, I, I probably haven't even done myself justice to elaborate on the bits that um, I had and I used to sell myself and, and continue to sell myself. And that comes from also working in corporate sales before becoming a doctor and having business development insight, uh, having done regulatory stuff uh, and obviously being a practicing doctor. That's what I bring to the table. But yes, so, some jobs, um, if it, it is a particular specialty, might it might benefit if you have experience in that. But do you have to be CCT? No, no. Uh, you could be a GP uh, with a special interest. Because um, I mean, I, I find that a lot of companies do fill in that gap. So they need a specialist in, in a very specific area. They can go and find that specialist and get that specialist opinion. But they don't necessarily need the chief medical officer to to be all of that and everything else we've discussed in this this uh, podcast, which is the leadership stuff, the regulatory stuff, the you know the hands on stuff. Um, and so some of the sometimes I give advice to companies that you know, just think about what you need most of (laughs) and then outsource the rest because especially the more specialists you get, um, the more challenging is that because the the pool is going to be smaller to find that, that one special unicorn person who is a proper specialist and not doing it. And that has a full-time availability to work as a chief medical officer. There are people there, but they are but the chances are they probably don't exist and and you know like you say unicorn's the perfect example you know they're probably one in one in a million and the chance that you you know you connect those two people um you know it's it's very much like a fairy tale isn't it i think yeah kind of a parting parting comment on this this question i think you know any doctor can can apply for any of these roles i think go for it um find the, the 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 bits in your cv that would position you as a leader build on everything that you've gone through from medical school uh training as a junior doctor hopefully your experience hopefully in various healthcare systems it doesn't have to be the nhs experience of even healthcare systems in other countries is useful any experience i remind people all the time just think about what you do outside of your job outside of medicine like as you've illustrated johnny you know your father works in business and engineering so even your exposure to that and your insights from that has been valuable in your career pathway. So think outside of the box, guys. <laughs> That's all I have to say, because yeah. that that is your unique selling point. That is what's going to make you stand out from every other doctor who might be going for that role. Um, but it, it is how you communicate the experience and the value add you can bring to the company. But anyway, thank you so much, Johnny, for joining us on this really really interesting uh insightful conversation and i hope that everyone listening found that useful and uh we'll try and get you on for another question i'm sure there's a lot we can explore together right i'm sure look forward <laughs> to it
So how senior do you need to be to become a chief medical officer uh, in any sector, not just health tech? And I think the real answer is there is no right answer for that. I think the real key is learn how to sell your unique selling points and that will get you into a role where you can thrive as the leader that you are as a doctor in whichever sector you choose. Anyway, any more thoughts on this, please send us a line at team at medicfootprints.org and do that after you subscribe and leave a really positive and glowing review so that this can be shared throughout the networks in the UK and beyond as widely as possible because we want to make sure that we are connecting at least one million doctors with the best in diverse career opportunities and make sure that they have the right mindset to succeed. Um, Our deadline is 2030. We're getting there. We're getting there. Until next time.